Hey there, thank you for joining the live podcast, a podcast provided by the Love Your Soul Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit aimed to help spread the message of self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building a better relationship with yourself, but a better relationship with others and with our beautiful planet. So if you're on a mission of self-healing, of self-improvement, of self-discovery, this podcast is for you. Be sure to like us on all social media platforms at the LY Foundation, at our website, thelyfoundation.org. And we're so thankful that you found us and we just hope to help you no matter where you are in your journey and to remind you that you are the most important person in your life. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insights, thoughts, and experiences on self-love exploration. My name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator of the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is JR, Technology Coordinator and Board Member of the Love Yourself Foundation. Ayla, what's up? Welcome to the end of week 10, JR. I know. This is crazy to think that we only got two weeks left of this. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, that's the end. And I'm like, I need, I think I need 10 more weeks. <laughs> we just, <laughs> Not we're on the morning pages, again? I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Let's run it back. Let's do the program all over again. <laughs> what, and that's another realization too, is that it will be the end of the season for us as well. Yeah, yeah. We're coming up there and it's crazy to think that we'll be getting through a whole nother season and that it feels like we just started and here we are coming up to the end again. I know. It's been a wild ride, still learning a lot about each other, ourselves, individually, and it's still just an interesting read every chapter, every week of what it is that the topic is, and really interested to get into this one this week, which is recovering a sense of self-protection, and really diving into what your thoughts were on this chapter. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it because there's a lot of different things that are gone over. And week 10, we try to think about what is she trying to teach us this far in the game. And when we're coming to a close now, I think, what are the main themes that are going to come up? But of course, before we get into it, we'll do our weekly check-in. First question, of course, how many days this week did you do your morning pages? Has reading your pages changed your writing? And are you still allowing yourself to write them freely? Yeah, for me this week, I was three out of seven this time around. In the chapter, she does mention about a drought and the feeling of drought and how the morning pages can feel like you're really just trying to put something on the page, even if you're not feeling it. And I think we're, at least for me, I'm getting to that point where the morning pages is a little bit more, is tougher to do every week. And we've been doing it for 10 weeks. And we were just talking about this last week and how we went back to the morning pages to reread them and realizing that there's over 100 pages that we've written in our morning pages, which is insane to say the least, but it is getting to that point where it's a little, okay, here, I got to wake up and do this thing. And I know that there's benefits, but I think it's important to realize that sometimes you're going to have those days that are just not morning page-esque. So along with that, a little bit of my writing has changed since last week and what were you learned about that. But again, I think it's just, there's a lot more difficulty in in writing and I'm trying to be conscious of not rewriting certain things. How I noticed that I kept mentioning a certain topic or a certain thing that I was feeling for the past couple of weeks and trying not to do that as much because I feel like I'm just repeating myself over and over. Oh, maybe it's telling you something. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. I think that maybe that's just more of a tell of, hey, this is probably something important. So for sure. Yeah. How about you? This week, I recovered from last week, and I did four out of seven, so I went up to you. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah, the first three days of the week, I said no. So I went on a five-day streak of not doing it. Yeah. And then I was like, you got to get it together and start again. And I will say that I don't think reading the pages changed my writing. I think it gives insight, but I'm not necessarily being that thoughtful with it. I'm waking up in whatever is on my mind and I have the energy to talk about and want to bring up or I notice it's coming up. That's what I go with. I'm not guided in any way by past things, Sure. but I am still allowing myself to write them freely. I think 
usually it's about it depends on the day but sometimes it's 75 percent of the way and then the 25 percent is and now i'm over it <laughs> so <laughs> yes 100 percent. you notice yourself kind of get into two pages maybe and then realizing oh well, that's probably good enough yeah <laughs> i'm down to one <laughs> Hey, one's better than none, okay? But if you think about it, my notebook is pretty large, so I'm, like, trying to justify there. There was a day I did write two, which, like, to me, if I want to keep writing, that shows that there is something there. Sure. But I'm not going to write a full page of, I don't know what to say, this grass is green, the sky is blue. Yeah, yeah. How, how more times can you do that? Yeah, but I will notice, like, sometimes I wake up and I feel very inspired and have these ideas that I want to go with. So that's how I'm going through it. But I'm really trying to finish off these last two weeks strong and give it all I got because the finish line's almost there. I know. So close. Speaking of, did you do your artist date this week? Did you do an extra one is what it says as well. What did it, What did you do and how did it feel? Yeah, I've been in the same kind of groove, I guess, these past couple weeks just with my move and that taking up a lot of my mental space. I think I've been doing a lot of like brainstorming and imagining and designing in that kind of way because of how excited I am. I will say I've been utilizing Pinterest a lot and nice. just letting that go where I want to. But actually my artist date this week was allowing myself to do a reverse interview. I don't know the actual professional term for it, but basically I messaged someone on LinkedIn that I really looked up to and asked if I could do the reverse interview where I asked them how they got to where they were and learn. And they said yes, which I was really grateful oh, for. Cool. And so I was able to meet with them, get a lot of good insight. And it was really nice for me because I feel like I'm taking those dreams in the direction I want to go into my own hands and looking at what that looks like for me and getting that advice. And it felt nice to, to pursue that, even though it's a scary thing, it's not something I would normally do. So we're seeing changes ever so slightly, and cool. that's where I'm at. I love yeah. that. What about you? For me, yes, I did do what I told myself I wanted to do, and I finally cleaned out the closet a little bit. That? It was actually really cool. I've been looking into doing more, really trying to go all in on this capsule wardrobe idea where you only have a limited number Timeless of pieces, pieces, and that's what you end up wearing for... I don't know however long you want to do it for three months, six months, maybe an entire year. So I ended up doing that. I realized how much extra stuff I have that, and I, we've talked about this before about minimalism and all that, and how mm. I've collected so much over time that now that I've really narrowed down my wardrobe to about 12 to 13 pieces, it's been a lot easier waking up in the morning and picking the thing that I want to wear. It's cool to see different combinations of the same types of clothing together. And it just lifted a weight off my shoulder. And it was nice to just finally get that done. Wow. Um, it's nice. So we'll see what else I can do with that. Did you end up using that YouTube method that you were recommended? Yes, I did. I actually watched the four or five videos that my friend sent me and I built that inspiration of, okay, let's get started with something. That was one of the things. The other thing was having a, a bin for all the mail that comes into the home. Mm -hmm. Instead of having the mail scattered all over the place or on the desk, rearranged everywhere, you actually just put it all in the bin. And then at the end of the week, you go through that bin and the idea is to empty out that bin, whether it needs to be stored somewhere, whether it needs to be thrown away, whatever. So I've implemented that into my life now. So oh, there's been, look at you. There's been some cool stuff that ends up happening when you watch I do have movie. FOMO though. I want to know who the YouTuber is. Oh man. I'm going to have to look that up again. Please. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you after the show, but yes, I will definitely <laughs> let you know about that because you're about to move into your new place as well. So hopefully maybe you can take a couple of her ideas with you. Yeah. And I'm sure those listening want to know as well. Oh, absolutely. Like, I know. Where but... is the information? You'll hear her name week 12. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep bringing it up. I'm yeah, like, exactly. Mm. But of course, the next question that we get asked, did you experience any synchronicity this week? What was it? I did actually this week. I ended up having dinner with a couple friends. I think it was on Friday. And something that Julia had brought up in regards to the idea of fear and competition is what she talks about in this chapter. Mm -hmm. And that just organically came up in our conversation at dinner. I think I had mentioned the artist way, which is 
as a funny yet annoying thing that I've been doing a lot lately these past it's 10 like weeks of, of just like bringing up, hey, uh, yeah, so I've been reading The Artist Way and I don't know if you've read it yet, but, but I've been doing <laughs> that should. a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we ended up talking about that and it just so happens that I got back into the chapter and she was talking about the same exact thing. So it was really cool to have that synchronicity and oh, cool. to be able to talk to friends about that idea of competition that we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, and I love to hear that you're bringing it up because I think that it means that it's something of interest to you and you're excited to share about it. What about you? I can't think of anything. I'm sitting here. <laughs> I was looking through my notes really quick. Did you make any comments about it? But off the top of my head, nothing is coming up. You know I feel like goes. during the week. Yeah, no, truthfully. And I feel like during the week I'll be talking and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, that was in the chapter this week. I'll think about it while it happens, but I won't take note of it. But I can say like for the record, I have experienced. <laughs> I just can't tell you what it is specifically. You'll have to okay. figure that out for yourself. Okay. We'll um, probably figure it out together. <laughs> Were there any other issues this week that you consider significant for your recovery and describe them? Yeah, I think I just had a lot on my mind this week and it's hard to i guess i'm still in a point where i don't prioritize or maybe prioritize is the wrong word where it feels like doing this is the what i have left that's extra it's not like a built-in thing i feel that and so i think that when i have a lot of stress or other things on my mind that takes precedent over reading the chapter or doing the tasks more spread out or the artistry. And I think that what that does is set me back into taking me out of that space of constantly being a creative and being in tune with myself. And I, I'm excited because I'm moving this week. And so well, new environments, I new like to energy. think of it as growing into a new shell, more outfitted this space. And I want to be able to grow and like you said, new energy, so it'll pair along well with the end of the program and putting all those things in use. Uh, what great. about you? Any significant issues? You know what? I'm going to borrow yours because I feel the same <laughs> way. <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel like the end is near for the conversation season four. The end is near for artist way. And it is one of those things where it is extra. And I love that you said that because I resonate with that as well. Mm. And it just, it, some days it's hard to sit down and just, okay, I'm going to read through this thing and, oh, I'm going to try these tasks. It, it just, I'm trying my hardest to make sure that's what it ends up being part of my week. We manage, we make it work, and, and then we come here and we record the episode sure. and we talk about it. And acknowledging each week is a new week. I know that there was weeks where I felt really great about it and there's the next week. It's like a high and low roller coaster. It's a low, a high. So I'm hoping that like I said, finishing off strong. Okay. Absolutely. That Speaking brings us about week 10. Come on now. Recovering a sense of self-protection, which is very interesting. And I think also interesting, she put it so late in the game. You could think that it would be something sooner, learning how to protect yourself, which I think is, we'll get into why she did that. <laughs> yeah. But it says, this week we explore the perils that can ambush us on our creative path because creativity is a spiritual issue many of the perils are spiritual perils in the essays tasks and exercises of this week we search out the toxic patterns we cling to that block our creative flow which i want to point out something right off the bat when she mentions creativity is a spiritual issue never thought of it that way never seen it that way always thought that creativity is more of a physical visceral feeling that mm isn't necessarily something that is rooted in spirituality or in the spirits or whatnot. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting, even getting started into the chapter to realize that. Yeah. And I think it connects, I think it connects to creativity, not being something you do, being something you like are and are right. being. And, and I think I mentioned that a couple of weeks back of that mindset shift, because it's always been a, you do creative things. You're not like you don't be a creep like that difference there you're like oh to be it you have to do so i guess connecting with that ability within inside you has been a journey for us. <laughs> yes <laughs> speaking of journey um, the first chapter here is titled dangers of the trail look at that i know crazy synchronicity there it is <laughs> 
We got one. There you go. <laughs> Julia says creativity is God energy flowing through us, shaped by us like light flowing through a crystal prism. When we are clear about who we are and what we are doing, the energy flows freely and we experience no strain. When we resist what the energy might show us or where it might take us, we often experience a shaky, out of control feeling. We want to shut down the flow and regain our sense of control. We slam on the physic. Oh. We slam on the psychic brakes. When I read this, it was, it really hit home a little bit because it talks about supplementing certain feelings in order to not having to really focus a lot on what the creative or whatever creativity you're trying to go through and using other outlets to negate that kind of thing. That's exactly it. She mentions that for some people, food is a creativity issue. Eating sugar or fats or certain carbohydrates may leave them feeling dulled, hungover, unable to focus, or blurry. They use food to block energy and change as a shaky feeling comes over them and they are going too fast and God knows where that they are about to fly apart. These people reach for food, a big bowl of ice cream and an evening of junk food and their system clogs. What was I thinking? What? Oh, never mind. And that was something that kind of hit home for me a little bit because I, as one of a coping mechanism and the things that we will talk about throughout this entire chapter is one of those things is food and use food as a excuse to focus on certain things or something to take me away from whatever it is that I'm dealing with. And again, Julia just does a great job of basically bringing it to the forefront of the thing that you're dealing with. Yeah, it's interesting she brings up coping mechanisms in almost like the reverse, like we're choosing to do these things to not have to create. And so she, talking about food, I also am the same way if I'm stressed, anxious, if I'm uneasy about something, I want just to eat in general. If I'm bored, I want to eat in general. Like I don't use that outlet to explore more. And so I also found that to be very like oh cool we're talking about this now before <laughs> not, i move not on not so loud julia not so loud <laughs> yeah she'd be doing that but i liked the in the second sentence when we are clear about who we are and what we're doing the energy flows freely and that's actually something i learned while i was in school for psychology is that being in your state of self-actualization which is basically your highest self you'll feel that energy differently. Like you'll feel like this is the right thing. And to be almost like a gut feeling of knowing that's where you're supposed to be. That's where you feel your best. And so reading this just reminded me to look for that feeling and also recognize when it's absent and seeing when the strain is there. And so I like a lot that she led with that. And she talks about food, of course. She talks about alcohol, drugs, sex, painful love, all these different things that can be used as a distraction, which I think is interesting to use in this way because you don't really think of those things as a distraction from creativity necessarily. But I guess adding another layer to what you are negating yourself of almost or the impacts of choosing those things to get out of a feeling. And she says now these are all good in themselves, but it's the abuse of them that makes them creativity issues. Knowing yourself as an artist means acknowledging which of these you abuse when you want to block yourself. And so I think the tasks this week worked to demonstrate that. And to me, it was really interesting to take a step back and going through these blocks that we have as creatives, this whole program, and how to relieve that, taking this into consideration of, is there anything that I do conscious not even that it's a conscious i'm avoiding it but i feel like we've done so much unconscious work of like things we've repressed from our childhood right, that this yeah. is like a now an active choice kind of thing which i liked that that was different yeah and she also says we begin to sense our real potential and the wide range of possibilities open to us that scares us so we all reach for blocks to slow our growth if we are honest with ourselves, we all know which blocks are the toxic ones for us. Clue, this is the block we defend as our right. This kind of brought up the my addiction issues that I deal with and how a lot of that was stopping me from doing the thing that I wanted to do or I felt like that was somewhat of protection for myself to not have to deal with 
being creative or doing something else that's more productive with my life because this feels easier or whatnot. And she's absolutely right. That does scare me in a sense of trying to find what that wide range of possibilities would be for me if I actually just tried my best to do what it is I want to do. And again, she's definitely saying the right things at the right time. And it's yet again, another situation where you don't really think about it until she puts it in those words. And that one really had me sitting back a little bit and just trying to reflect on that. Yeah. And I like the quote that follows the next paragraph by Albert Einstein, which man, he has a lot of inspirational quotes, actually. Mm-hmm. He could have been a movie- motivational speaker. Exactly. <laughs> the quote here is, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. And I feel like that's something you would hear in like a like gym. Oh, yeah. I can see the montage already. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, brother. Skip. skip. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like following this chapter of what we're choosing to block and taking a step back from that and what that means, how she's follows that with how there's opportunity there and the excitement that can bring. And she goes that on to say that following last chapter, I believe it's last chapter, that the choice to block is a creative U-turn, that it's a, oh, I did it again. And that what's interesting is she brings up the idea that I feel like she's brought up every week in some way. She says, blocking is essentially an issue of faith rather than trust our intuition, our talent, our skill, our desire. We fear where our creator is taking us with this creativity. Rather than paint, write, dance, audition, and see where it takes us, we pick up a block. Because blocked, we know who and what we are, unhappy people. And I think that she's brought up that idea of how blocked is a familiar thing for us and it's comfortable because at least then we know the outcome. Even though the outcome isn't great. It's actually not good. <laughs> right. <now. laughs> like the outcome is you're not happy, but at least you know you're not happy. And it's if you're going to be unhappy anyway, might as well choose what you want to do and potentially be unhappy, but you tried. Yeah. And I, that's a breakthrough. Oh yeah, a huge break. <laughs> yeah, a huge breakthrough. I actually highlighted that one too. The blocking is essentially an issue of faith and kind of realizing throughout this whole entire program really of realizing you got to believe in yourself you got to understand what it is that you want to do and what it's going to take for you to to not only help yourself but your artist child as well to get you into a better space mentally and physically that it's okay to be afraid but don't let the fear control you so yeah it was just i love that it's interesting all of it is really interesting yeah and i love that you talk about that fear isn't like it's a bad feeling to have but it's about what happens after that. And I think it's a lot easier to just stick with what's comfortable because you're already in like a not powerful space where you're not feeling the best. And to not feel the best and then take a scary step is I think where the problem lies. But what's interesting to me is she follows this chapter with workaholism. Let's get into that, please. (laughs) Yeah, a very interesting follow-up. She says workaholism is an addiction and like all addictions, it blocks creative energy. Of course, the main focus of this week. Sure. In fact, it could be argued that the desire to block the fierce flow of creative energy is an underlying reason for addiction. If people are too busy to write morning pages or too busy to take an artist date, they're probably too busy to hear the voice of authentic creative urges. To return to the concept of a radio set, the workaholic jams the signal with self-induced static. Yeah, that last line, like that you're... You have the voice and instead you're playing static in your brain to try to not hear it. You're like, okay, <laughs> it's not, li- it's a little bit nicer to hear than static, but okay. Sure, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Like I, I'm really interested to see like what your initial reaction was there too. Yeah. Getting into the second or third paragraph is that, that feeling of fun feels wrong is what it feels like for me, especially growing up into my career and being in a more professional environment. It was always kind of hard to not fall into that feeling of work, workaholism and not understanding that it, it is an addiction, which I was enlightened through this chapter as well, because I didn't know that it was actually an addiction. I just thought that was just something that that was a word that people use who work more than the hours that they're supposed to. But 
it all just made sense after reading it. Something that I highlighted here is in creative recovery, it is far easier to get people to do the extra work of the morning pages than it is to get them to do the assigned yeah. play of an artist date. Play can make a workaholic very nervous, fun is scary. And that's exactly how I feel. Where as much as I don't, or I haven't really been enjoying the morning pages as much as I had been in the beginning of this, and it's becoming a little bit of a struggle to put the words on the page to do that exercise. And it would be to tell myself, Oh, let's go on an artist date. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. Let's do that. Because the morning pages does feel like work. Yeah. I wake up, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do this. I know how many pages I need to at least get done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know that's what needs to be done. And so it just feels like, what I would normally deal with if I go into work, but that's another task for me to work on versus trying to do an artist date and trying to tell myself that, no, it's okay. You can enjoy yourself for a couple hours by enjoy yourself. Yeah. And then you're like, Ooh, yucky. I don't like that. You're like, okay, am I supposed to be doing something else? Though? Yeah. That's the kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting to think about. She says how fun leads to creativity and that's why we don't prioritize fun. And it's interesting because like you, I never, thought of myself necessarily like a workaholic i put in my time and i go home <laughs> but i'm also not <laughs> i'm not really giving myself like the freedom to play as much sure and yeah fun. and i definitely see that as secondary even if you're not just thinking about like your actual job but thinking about like prioritizing chores and other ways to be productive any any avoidance honestly and so it's interesting she gives us a workaholic quiz I'm very interested in what you were answering. Majority of them. Majority was seldom, which is just sometimes I do that sometimes or never. And so it wasn't that I, and that's what made me be like, maybe I'm fine, but am I supposed to be saying never to these things? And I also feel like it's hard because, and you may, I don't know if you feel similar, but because we both work in the nonprofit space, like when you work for a nonprofit, you almost are like, it's for the greater good to work outside of your hours or this is just what's expected of me i have to tell myself that every day <laughs> and so that's why i'm like i'm supposed like the questions are like i work outside of office hours i do sometimes because that's just what i have to do for the nonprofit right. space to go along or i allow myself free time between projects sometimes but it depends on how quickly the next thing comes along it's mm -hmm. not that's, that's why i'm like an in between here and i'm like I but she doesn't really follow it with a score. Or... Right, yeah. What's I'm like, what is my grade? Here? Yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way. I was like, okay, so I'm going to tally these up and it's going to tell me that I'm okay or what? And it didn't. Yeah. But it is interesting. You know, she follows it with looking at where our time is spent and how if we're saying we don't have time for fun, but we're prioritizing like extra time for work, like those sorts of things. Mm. And I th the purpose of this chapter really is to set up the bottom line that she defines as things that should be off limits to ensure that you do give yourself time to be creative, time to relax, time to have fun, which is a really interesting concept because I struggled with this because I was like, if I have the time, I'm going to help. But I'm like, <laughs> it's like I'm you're sure fighting you with yourself. Way. Yeah. Yeah. I was the opposite. Majority of the stuff that I circled was often, which oh, really? made me realize Boy, you need to relax. For you a said, wait a damn minute. <laughs> yeah, hold up, bro. What are you doing? The one that really woke me up a little bit were the questions about, do you skip outings because you have to meet a deadline or do you use work as an excuse to not go to certain things? And I have noticed that myself recently in the past, maybe year or two years has been increasingly more of that just simply because... Uh, a combination of things. I think, again, like you said, we both work in a nonprofit space and there's sometimes you have to take work home or there's a deadline that you have to meet that, that is really important for your students or whatnot, that you just have to succumb to that and work from home and spend those hours. The other thing is procrastination. We talked about that multiple times and me not taking care of things when they should be taken care of and then letting them wait until the very end and then I feel overwhelmed and I have to tell all my friends, hey, I can't go to that thing because I got 18 different things I got to finish before Monday. And it's all self-inflicting. It's not anybody else's fault. It's my own. And if I prioritize my time a little bit better, I, it, I wouldn't have to pick between the two. Yeah, I'm interested hearing that. If the bottom line helped you, how did that 
sort of section? Yeah, for that part, I think it it does make me realize that time management and being more task oriented is going to be more beneficial for me going forward as far as making sure that I'm allotting the amount of time that I need for myself to focus on the things I want to do or be with the people that I want to be with and not use the sense of workaholism or the sense of procrastination and all this stuff culminating into this one thing of all I do is work. I'm doing the nonprofit. I'm working the golf group. We're both working at YF as well. There's a lot of things we're allotting our time, but if I really prioritize certain things, it doesn't have to consume everything. Oh. Yeah. Was there anything else in this section that you wanted to point out? So much. Let me, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was a few things in here that she had mentioned. She says there's a difference between zestful work toward a cherished goal and workaholism. That difference lies less in the hours than it does in the emotional quality of the hours spent. There's a treadmill quality to workaholism. We depend on our addiction and we resent it. For a workaholic, work is synonymous with worth, and so we are hesitant to jettison any part of it. Again, I think tapping back into what's less of what the child artist is and more of you just being an adult and trying to do adult things and realizing that we're built into that, the sense of the more work you do, the more praise you'll have, the more you'll be recognized, and the more opportunities will show up. And then we get caught in that sense of, oh, we're working a lot and I haven't seen the <laughs> light. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My life is pretty much gone at that point. So really yeah. just trying to hone into that idea of figure out what that balance is so that way you can have your artist state and not feel bad about it. I appreciate you mentioning that it's brought up as just something you grow into that as an adult, you live to work and that's very a uh, capitalist thing and yeah, my opinions have been said yeah, about yes. how irritating that is. <laughs> yes. But we lose. And I think that's a big part of the loss of the ability to have fun and explore and be curious because the worth is attached to the output there. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that's an important component of the experience. Yeah. And we've done generational talks before and we're of two different generations, but we still share that same sentiment of, I wish we didn't have to work this hard to enjoy the things of lo that life ha has to give you. Definitely. Yeah. On to the next chapter. We have drought. As you were mentioning at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. Yes. With the morning pages, and I feel you there. So it says drought. In any creative life, there are dry seasons. These droughts appear from nowhere and stretch to the horizon like a Death Valley vista. Life loses its sweetness, our work feels mechanical, empty, forced, we feel like we have nothing to say, and we are tempted to say nothing. These are the times when the morning pages are most difficult and most valuable. And her saying most valuable, I'm like, mm, because I don't... <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. I'm like, it is interesting, and I do feel like I'm at that point where... But it's almost like I don't see a value for me in doing it every day, and I'm trying to push through that. I'm glad you said that, because I feel the same way. Because some days I wake up and I'm like, I would love to write down everything I'm thinking right now because I'm really motivated and I would just wake up that way. And I'm like, I have so many ideas. And then some days I wake up and I'm like, I really could go without it. And I'm doing this simply because I have to. You 100%. Know? Yep. And so it's interesting that she says that's when it's the most valuable. And I feel like I've written on those days when I'm like, I don't want to and I could skip, but I'm going to. So I don't have just one out of seven days this week. <laughs> And that's, I'm like, that's really I, the motivator right there. Like, <laughs> would be one out of seven. The facts, and I'm like, I I don't know that I see the value in it when I like look at what I'm writing, but maybe it's just because I need to do it several days in a row where I'm having that. Um, I'm wondering what you're feeling in that realm. No, I feel the same way. I feel like me doing the morning pages is more so because we're doing it together. That if we were doing this separately on our own for our own purposes that maybe the pages during the week would be a lot less. But I feel like there is this need to show up every time we have to record an episode. So for me, it's like, all right, you don't want to do this. This is getting a little bit monotonous, but you're doing this with Ayla. 
maybe keep track, keep up with it. So that way you can get through it. But yeah, I think it would be a different mentality if I was just doing it on my own. I would hope that this is the benefit of us doing it together. Because if I did this by myself, I would have been not past maybe week four. And that's where I failed the first time. And I think it speaks to the importance of having an accountability partner to be able to go through it with because it, that external motivation I think is like very propelling. But it's interesting. She says that during a drought, the morning pages seem both painful and foolish. They feel like empty gestures, like making breakfast for the lover we know is leaving us anyhow, Damn. hoping against hope that we will someday be creative again. Our consciousness is parched. We cannot feel so much as the trickle of race. And yeah, that line too, that got me because I'm like, that is what it feels like. Like why? Like I understand there's reason, but I'm like, I just don't feel the reason well enough. And she says, we write our morning pages because we must and droughts do end and to write is to write things. Yeah. So it's an interesting chapter for me. It's validating, I think, at this point in the game which I'm saying a lot today. <laughs> the game is ending <laughs> yeah. at this point. So you don't, so you know, okay. <laughs> Speaking of that, she's, she also writes, droughts tell us that they will last forever and that we will not. A haunting anticipation of our own death approaching long before we're ready for it, long before we've done anything of value, shimmers ahead of us like a ghastly mirage. I said, damn, Julia, that was metal, dude. <laughs> and she's a poet. She really just drew me in on that one. I was like, oh, yeah, I do think about that sometimes. Yeah, you're like, I'm always going to feel like that. And honestly, I think the feelings that come from it are very much like a, if I was a real creative, I wouldn't experience this. Or is this because I'm resistant because it's not right for me? So or the really mentality that you can get through it, too. Because droughts are going to be there forever, you're going to experience it, and that's okay. You'll know how to deal with it, and then you can get on with your life. It's really interesting and a short chapter as well. And I think it very interesting. And I'm not sure if she put it just to validate that, that feeling that we have and be, and she's, you have two weeks left. <laughs> Do the pages. <laughs> I know where y'all are at with your morning pages. I know you ain't doing three pages. So it's I stopped doing three pages a long time ago, Julia. <laughs> the next chapter though is fame, which I think is really interesting. She says fame encourages us to believe, which I think is really interesting. JR, do you want to, talk about what this chapter yeah julia says fame encourages us to believe that if it hasn't happened yet it won't happen of course it is fame is not the same as success in our true souls we know that we know and have felt success at the end of a good day's work but fame it is addictive and it always leaves us hungry fame is a spiritual drug and this is where we get into that spiritualness of these feelings and yeah, this was an interesting one as well. Understanding more of, I was going through kind of social media, seeing the different photographers and videographers, golfers that I envy, I guess is a good term for this. And there, there is a sense of wonderment of, oh, what would it feel like if I was that famous? Or what if I was followed by that many people? And realizing that fame is like a fleeting desire of creativity where it doesn't really do anything for you. It, the work that you put in is what is more important than being recognized or even judged at that point of what it is that you put out. Yeah. And she says that she says the point of the work is the work fame interferes with that perception. And I think that is where I took a second to sit back and reconsider like what interests me about the fame aspect and what it stops me from <sighs> and she goes on about instead of acting being about acting it becomes about being a famous actor instead of writing being about writing it becomes about being recognized not just being published and we all act like credit where credit is due as artists we don't always get it and so for her like to go into each thing and talk about it it's just really interesting for me and it, it made me sit back because i think that's something for me where i've been like well on instagram you see all these people that are so famous and get following so fast and it's and i've never even tried <laughs> and <laughs> but i'm like i'm not there so i'm not ever gonna be and that therefore i can't work for the sake of work sure and i don't know it was just a really interesting chapter and what stuck out to me is towards the end she says what we are really scared of is that without fame we won't be loved and that was so that big for me. me yes and that to me was 
the like light bulb moment of that's why because it's the it's in our eyes it's oh because of the fame because of the fame but deep down it's because that fear of the rejection and not being loved and not that we have to have millions of fans <laughs> but it's almost like your brain makes it be that extravagant to to catastrophize the level where it's it's that or nothing right and it's that or you're not loved and to me that's wow yeah it really is wow because that was one of the things that popped in my head immediately after reading that is that sense of doing all of this for what yeah. i want to know that i'm doing what it is that i love to do because i want to do it and if people like it that's just a bonus not the other way around that i'm doing this because i want people to like it and i want people to love me for doing it it is something that i feel like i struggle with a lot too of putting myself out there putting work out there whatever it may be that for either of us if we end up doing something really big in our lives that will fame be something that is important to us or will we be strong enough to know that fame is is nice in the moment but really we're doing this for something bigger yeah definitely it's really interesting to think about it that way and i'm happy she put it where she did because as we're leaving the nest as you will and becoming our own birds you <laughs> after this <laughs> that, what does that look like and in making sure that those values kind of align. And I guess it's important that she is putting it so late in the chapters because you can't really talk about fame until you've done the work necessary for you to get to, <laughs> yeah. to be a better artist. Definitely. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And it's interesting. The last chapter of the section is competition, which all of these kind of, they don't necessarily flow exact one right into the other, but it's hit you, hit you from this yeah. side. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, um, you're also dealing with this. Okay. Yeah. You're not even done recognizing that. Let's add something else to yeah. it. So she says, you pick up a magazine or even your alumni news, then somebody you know has gone further, faster toward your dream. Instead of saying that proves it can be done, your fear will say, he or she will succeed instead of me. And for me, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what my brain would do. <laughs> and it's funny, but it's really not because it's yeah. her saying that proves it can be done. I'm like, oh, that would be so nice if that's the way I thought. Oh, that right. means that it's possible. And I think I'm like 10% of the way there, which isn't a lot, but it's something. Yeah. But I think it's just so much easier to say it's me or them and she talked about that in one of the early weeks too there's enough to go around so this is a synchronicity if you will <laughs> we got two that's number two <laughs> yeah i felt yeah. the same way with that i wrote so many things on the top of the page and oh, just wow. all kinds of this one was the one that brought it home for me but i had wrote at the top that competition equals comparison is what i before i even read the entire chapter that's what it was in my mind of what that looked like and that's another synchronicity is that i was talking to friends about and i we we're talking about this a couple of weeks ago too of how i will be so quick to judge or be envious of other people what they're doing knowing that all i have to do is just start and I could be in that space as well, but it's a lot easier for me to say, oh, I could do a lot better than that. Or I don't really like the way they do that. Guess what? They're doing the thing. You're not. So what does that say about you? Yeah. She mentions about ego too in here. And I think that what that's the like the biggest thing is the ego check of the competition that you're putting in within yourself. That isn't really necessary. It's again, like you said, there's room for everybody. Just do it. And you can be a part of that community too. She says, when we are ogling the accomplishments of others, we take our eye away from our own through line. We ask ourselves the wrong questions and those wrong questions give us the wrong answers. Yeah. So it's really just being in that mindset of being negative and really being judgmental of other people, of the thing that you want to do when all you have to do is just start and you can be right there with them. For sure. Yeah, and it's interesting. She, We won't go into it, obviously, but she goes through mentioning the questions you ask yourself, similar to the idea of, oh, why am I having bad luck? Why them and not me? When instead you could be asking more productive questions. And I think reading through this chapter and looking at ego 
I think it does make me more mindful of the frame that I'm looking at things and want to take a step back. But I think competition is another one of those things that is just so prevalent in the way that we do things where it's almost easier to be a critic than admit that you have to start and be a beginner right. and they're better than you. Right. Yeah. Like at this very moment, they are better than you. <laughs> this is factual. That's it. Yeah. At doing that specific thing. Yeah. She yeah. also does mention the idea that sometimes we get caught up in the uh, in the sense that whatever it is that you want to do uh, as being a creative is not going to be good enough because everybody's doing something similar. But the reality of the situation is that what you bring to the table is unique, that your perspective on what your art is going to be different from everybody else's. There is this sense of, and I've read this in a different book called Seal Like an Artist, where they mentioned that no art is original anymore, that all we do is that we bring inspiration. We grab inspiration from other artists to create the thing that is unique for you. So it's not about creating that original thing anymore. It's more of what is it that you can put your artistic spin on that's important. Yeah. And to realize that you can be different in the space that you want to be in. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I think that's a good plug there of just following the framework of being more positive about it and being a good self-advocate to be like, then start, then try and i think that is the biggest obstacle is just that barrier there of saying oh i'm better than them but i'm not ever gonna start so there's no proof of it. <laughs> and also i think even the idea of saying i could do better is a block in itself because you're still focused on the act instead of the creation itself and, and so i think it's interesting the way that she sets up how we learn about these things and how to take it into consideration and that is the last chapter and they're it brings us to only four, five, five tasks this week, which is half of the normal ones. Come on, Julia, um, get it together. A little bit more in depth here. How many <laughs> did you end up doing? I ended up doing two. Okay. I ended up doing two. I know that we had went through the tasks at the end of last episode and we decided to do the first one together. So how did the first one, the deadlies, how'd that go for you? The deadlies, it says, take a piece of paper and cut it into seven small strips. On each strip, one of the following words. Alcohol, drugs, sex, work, money, food, family, and friends. Fold these strips of paper and place them in an envelope. We call these folded slips the deadlies. You'll see why in a minute. Now draw one of them in the envelope and write five ways in which it had a negative impact on your life. You will do this seven times, each time putting back the previous slip of paper so you are always drawing from seven possible choices. Yes, you may draw the same deadly repeatedly. Yes, it's significant. I, yeah, I had them. and I thought it was an interesting activity. And I did, there was a couple that I drew more than once and I was like, <laughs> same. but I didn't feel like I had a breakthrough. And she says that this can yield a break because you're like, oh, not again. And I felt like, I feel like it gave me a different perspective of the ways that things did impact my life or the ways that I struggled to see some things impact my life. And obviously I know that those things aren't what I'm quote unquote abusing to avoid my creativity. But I felt like there was like the fact that there was seven and or one, two, three. Yeah, there was seven and you're drawing it seven times. I feel like I, I needed to draw it like 10 more times to have that break. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> that mental break where I was like, okay, I'm ready to admit it now. Yeah. I think I drew one three times and that was, which I think is pretty significant still. Yeah, I drew alcohol four times. Wow. Have no was that idea. enough to have a break? Oh, it was just like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to write here. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else is happening here? I also felt the same way. I didn't feel like I, I had a breakthrough with it. It was interesting to at least acknowledge the negative aspects of these things but i feel it's very targeted in a sense of these are the seven deadly sins i guess you want to say but there are different there's definitely other things that are out there that are just as bad or as just as addictive it'd be interesting if i had threw in social media in there right yeah. and then drew that i think i would have a more of a breakthrough with that than all the other things i think that the reason why a breakthrough didn't happen is because it I guess technically I don't struggle with these as coping mechanisms mm. other than food. That'd be probably the big one. But 
I think that there would be more impact if I was actually struggling with this. If I was an alcoholic and I drew these four times, I think that would be the breakthrough for me because then I'm really driving it home of, okay. This is how it's right. affecting. Yeah, this yeah. is all right. I, there's something wrong here, but that didn't happen. Three stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that you felt the same way. Even if you didn't, I would want to learn how you got a different outcome. And I was sad. I wanted it to be bigger. I always want those big breakthroughs. But yeah. I, the one I also did was touchstones number two. And it says, make a quick list of things you love. Happiness touchstones for you. River rocks worn smooth, willow trees. And she lists a bunch of things. Post this list where it can console you and remind you of your own personals of your own personal touches. You may want to draw one of the items on your list or acquire it. And I really enjoyed doing this because it's almost like looking at the beauty in life and the little things. And I actually like drafted up a way I'm going to design it to be able to print it out and put oh, it up. Cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I think it's nice to be reminded of those things and also to do it in this way where it's not just listing things, but like feelings or experiences, different things that kind of come to mind when you think of what is happiness there. So I really enjoyed that one. That's good. The one um, did you do? I did number three, the awful truth. And it's basically just answering a whole bunch of questions of truthfully of things that might be holding you back creative, holding you back for your creativity. Like one of the questions is tell the truth. What habit do you have that gets in the way of your creativity? And it's funny that I mentioned it earlier because it's true in social media. TikTok has ruined my life. Okay. I'm you on the big, talk. I'm on the talk <laughs> five hours a day, just in the bed, just scrolling. So I feel like that if I brought that back a little bit, I would have more yeah. time to be creative and all that. But a lot of the questions were really interesting. It did get into asking questions about friends mm -hmm. and are certain friends holding you back and stopping you from being creative. That one's a little bit more personal, so I won't get into that one. But it was definitely interesting to to see at least those questions worded in that way to have a perspective of what's going on in my life. Yeah, I thought it was a really good activity. And again, I love the introspective ones where you're taking a look at yourself again in a new light. So I'm glad that you were able to do that too. There are two other activities for the week. And we definitely recommend you going to the Artist Way Week 10 to check them out. Next week 11, recovering a sense of autonomy. So stay tuned for that. Only two weeks um, left. Only two weeks and so with that, we do want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on Instagram or Twitter at the LY Foundation or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the LY Foundation. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and what recovering a sense of self-protection means to you. Also, please leave us a review of the LYF podcast. That way we can continue to produce more content and grow the show. Thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home.